This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lawrence. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. What's up, friends? Welcome in to episode... 50, you guys. 5-0 of Press Pass. Can't believe we've made it to 50. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Kayla Anderson, along with my co-host Joshua Perry. What is up, my friend? Hey, are you recovering? Because I know you had a crazy weekend up there in the Big Ten. Yeah, I'm recovering. Uh, you know, it was a long weekend because we had the Friday night game. So uh, did some good TV there since it got flexed to BTN. That was fun. But uh, I was a little under the weather during the weekend, too. So recovery's been a little bit tough and you know, still stinging off of a, a loss from Wisconsin, but all good to go today. I know. I. It's hard when you travel like you do, even if it's only to Chicago, you're still getting on a plane. You're around all that stuff. And when you're not really feeling the best as it is, TV's kind of hard to do sometimes like that, right? Yeah. I mean, the first thing I did when I got off the plane on Friday was I uh, went straight to Walgreens and <laughs> I got as many drugs as they would let me legally get there. And right. I just started taking everything just to see what would work and ended up not sounding too congested on TV. So it was all good. See, you found a way to make it work. That's what we got to do. Well, um, the AP Top 25 came out as it does every week on Sunday. Here is the top 10 shuffled around a little bit. Alabama still there at the top spot. I'll have some things to say about that here in a bit. Um, LSU holding strong at a two spot. Ohio State moving back up to the three spot after their blowout after Northwestern, uh, followed by Clemson, Oklahoma, Penn State. They're still at 7-0, and uh, followed by Florida, Notre Dame, Auburn, and Georgia rounding out the top 10. It hasn't really moved much, Joshua, but Ohio State did move up a spot this week. Yeah, it's a good top 10 to me. I mean, when you look at what happened over the weekend, you know, with one of the losses of being Wisconsin, I think this thing shaped up pretty well. Um, you know, you still got questions about some of the teams lingering up there. Alabama now, they got a little quarterback situation. Yeah. You know, they've they've got Arkansas and then they've got a bye. So you don't expect it to be too damaging at least immediately, but how does he come back from that? Think LSU mm-hmm. again. Uh, we've talked about it on offense. They look almost unstoppable, but defensively you still got a couple questions. And maybe even this week they weren't as explosive on offense as you would have wanted. Um, Ohio State dominated, but again, like what do you take away from that win? They're supposed to do that to Northwestern. Sure. Clemson's the one right now where, you know, they're they're winning these games by these wide margins. I think their defense is looking better and better every week, but offensively they came out and did not look good at all. So, you know, kind of take that away. But then when you look at kind of five through 10 right there, I think Oklahoma is one of those teams where you got a ton of respect. 
think we learned a lot from Penn State as they're a good team, but they kind of left the door open for Michigan. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that. But Florida, Notre Dame, Auburn, Georgia, I think, all right, they're seven through 10. You could make a case for kind of any arrangement of those teams because they've all looked really good at times and they all have some question marks. So top 10 looks really good to me. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you can follow all these schools or maybe you have a pro team. It's kind of hard to do in 2019 because we have so many things on our phones, but trying to follow it, it can be impossible. However, you can make it happen. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis, that's not the best. But that is why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email box. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA, NFL, NHL, college football, whatever you want, you can get it. It's super simple to sign up, and guess what? It's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing a great link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there is no paywall, no subscription, free, nothing. This is a free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try it for free. Type in free 99 at sports.axios.com. Well, we spoke about it briefly in the intro, but oh my goodness, there was a big upset in the Big Ten. Number six, Wisconsin falling to Illinois out of all schools. I just was so shocked by this, Joshua. I wanted to really quickly list out the last four drives for Wisconsin. Uh, missed field goal, field goal after first and goal from inside the five, fumble, and interception. I mean, whatever went wrong, went wrong. Yeah. I mean, you could probably sum it up there. You know, when I talk about this game, I want to make it just explicitly clear that we can take Wisconsin out of the elite conversation for this season but we should still regard them as a very, very good football team. Yeah. And uh, what went wrong, I think, basically explains the game because when you look at the stats, and I'll read some of them here coming up, but you know, Wisconsin was in control of that game, and there felt like situations where things were dicey, but you know, they, they definitely should have won that game just based off of the stats alone. And I think you could probably point to you know, six or seven plays in that game and it would be three turnovers on offense. It'd probably be the missed field goal. And then you could look at three explosive plays on defense over 40 yards. That truly made the difference. But if I told you that Illinois' quarterback only went nine for 21, you would be like, on, that's bad. But if I told you that he had 20 yards per completion, that makes all the difference. Yeah. If I told yep. you that Wisconsin had 400 total yards on offense, 420, and that they controlled the ball for 41 minutes in that game, you would say that they won every sure. single time. And so that's the difference. It was the big plays. It wasn't the fact that Wisconsin looked like a bad football team. It wasn't the fact that they couldn't move the ball or anything like that. It was the fact that they made mistakes and Illinois turned around and capitalized. They did not sustain drives at all. They just had explosive plays and they took advantage. Is this something where, you know, Wisconsin, because obviously they get Ohio State next, is this a kind of team that could build up that you know, we really pooped the bed and now we're going to come into Ohio State and we're going to take them down. I mean, do you feel like this is a team that could even do that? I don't. I, I mean, I don't doubt that they could. When you look at the fact that they have probably the best O-line in the Big Ten, um, they have the best running back potentially in America, a quarterback who largely this year hasn't made very many mistakes, and then a defense 
who still by all of the metrics, even after this game, is a number one scoring defense, a number one defense and total defense, all all that kind of stuff. There's there's absolutely an opportunity. And I can just remember as a player in games where we went out and we did not play very well, uh, Virginia Tech being one in 2014. And then in 2015, we lost to Michigan State on a last second field goal. Um, we came out after that mm-hmm. and we proved why we were a good football team. And so I always I always say you can't evaluate teams necessarily on their worst moments of the season. You can't evaluate them on their best moments either. You have to evaluate them on what you see consistently. What we've seen consistently out of this team is very good defense. They can run the ball and their quarterback doesn't make mistakes. And that's a recipe to win. So another game that I know you were following was the Michigan-Penn State game. That was obviously the primetime game on ABC. Uh, Michigan falls again, but the Wolverines trailed 22 to nothing in this game. You have to give them a little credit for fighting back. Shea Patterson didn't get off to the best start, but he brought that team back to within, what was it, eight in the end? Um, yeah, they lost by a touchdown. They lost by seven points. Yep. Yeah, seven. Yeah. And they were right there knocking on the door when you when you truly look at it. You know, um, Bell drops a pass that he catches 99 out of 100 times right there at the end. Um, Shea even said it himself when you look at the tape. It was right. But he had an opportunity if he would have pulled that down and ran it in for them to score. So it was a lot closer game than anybody thought it would have been early on. And again, I think it's another game where the statistics do not tell the story because Michigan got behind, but then after that, they dominated. They held with or, uh, Penn State to under 300 yards of offense. This is the second week in a row that Penn State has won a game with under 300 yards of offense. So there's, yeah. I think, something we can take away about Penn State and how they can be explosive, but also how their defense is playing where they can uh, win games like that. But uh, Michigan, 417 yards. They held the ball for 37, almost 38 minutes in that game. You know, took care of the ball really well. No lost fumbles. They uh, they turned it over one time, and Penn State wouldn't score it after that turnover. But still pretty a clean, uh, a clean game for them. And I think their defense is probably where you point and say that even though they gave up a couple of explosives, which happens when you play man-to-man, largely they did a really good job of bowing up and playing tough when they needed it. And uh, even in the loss, and you you know their playoff hopes are done now. They've got mm-hmm. a tough game coming up against Notre Dame, but you got to think that there's still a little bit of life and fight in this team just by the way they clawed back. It does that mean something in the way that you know? Because you know the Harbaugh talk is is now really heating up up there in terms of you know we need to get this guy out of here. But this guy is a part of Michigan, and when you hire someone like him, you are kind of signing up for a difficult situation if this were to ever occur. I mean, with somebody who's not tied to Michigan, I don't think it would be a bigger issue. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, you've got these people that maybe want him out, but he's, you know, so tied to Michigan. I don't know. It's just, it seems like a complicated situation up there. It is complicated. And I, you know, so after the Wisconsin game, for example, people were calling for him. And, uh, you know, a lot of that conversation revolved around the offense, didn't look very good. The defense got exposed and guys didn't play hard. And then when you look at this game, you could point and say that the offense looked way better. It's probably the best we've seen this offense look for Michigan. You could say that their defense bowed up and made a lot of plays and those guys fought and they played hard and they had a lot of heart. And Mm -hmm. so it's really hard. Again, like you want him to win that game. He hasn't proven that he could beat top 10 teams consistently, hasn't won as an underdog. And when you pay a guy as much as you pay him, he has to do that a little bit. But at the same time, I think you need to evaluate this critically and say that, you know, the slow start was terrible, but those guys played hard. They fought back and they, they were legitimately 
in a situation where they could have forced an overtime game or they could have gone for two and won it, you know, had they completed a pass, which happens 99 out of 100 times. So to me, this team is a little bit different than how we evaluated them early on in this year. Yeah, seen some growth for sure. Um, well, Ohio State has been really a steady machine. And I know that they haven't played anybody of high, high caliber. Um, 52-3 over Northwestern this past Friday, the game you were talking about. Now they get Wisconsin. So they get this ranked team who's coming off a bad loss. They're going to be angry. Um, do you see any problems for the Buckeyes in this one? And what do they need to do to make sure that that, that doesn't happen? The, yeah, the problem is you're going to be getting a really angry team that has something to prove now. Um, mm-hmm. So they're going to have to be able to deal with that. But when you look at quarterbacks, like just go down the roster, right? So you're asking, if you're Ohio State, would you want the guy that you have running the ball? Uh, as a running back, for example, would you want Jonathan Taylor? And I think they're comfortable with their running back. Probably uh, got better stats than Jonathan Taylor so far this year. When you look at quarterbacks, do you want Justin Fields? Do you want Jack Cohn? They'll take their quarterback. When you look at O-line, they might want to mix and match some pieces, but I feel like they like what they have there. When you look at receivers, there's not one receiver that Wisconsin has that Ohio State would want to take. Then flip it to the defensive side of the ball. Although Wisconsin's unit is playing really well, when you look at the overall talent and the ability, for example, to take a Jeffrey Okuda and erase somebody's number one receiver out of the game, you'll take that every time. You will take the ability of Chase Young to make a game-changing play over anybody that Wisconsin has in their D-line every single game. So I think Ohio State in preparation for this will have to play a clean game, uh, but they understand that they are the more talented team. And so if they can sustain drives and do things the right way, um, if they can get big plays on defense and take the ball away, I think this game uh, has a chance of, of pulling away in Ohio State's favor. How do you handle games like this as a broadcaster where you're broadcasting in the Big Ten where you played and you played at Ohio State? What is it like for you to be kind of keeping track of games like this that are coming up uh, that mean a lot. You know, I, I, I got to take it from a completely professional standpoint. And so mm-hmm. when I watch the game, I get wrapped up in the emotion of it. But when I look at the stat sheet and when I report, I report it as if I'm, you know, Joe Schmo don't have any tie to the team. Sure. And it, it's absolutely tough, but I, I feel like, um, you know, there's a certain respect for uh, the profession and being in media where, you know, you can you can be a little bit of a homer. And obviously, you know, I'm going to pick my team in any game where it's going to be a close game. But when I'm yeah. talking about the game, when I'm evaluating players, I talk about it from a standpoint of truth and honesty. So uh, hard for me to flip yeah. the emotional switch off, but I have to do it. Yep. Nope. I know. It's. I haven't had to really cover my own team, but I get it. You know, when you are emotionally tied to a team and you actually played for it, it is a little bit different. Well, let's gonna dive into the Pac-12 really quick. I know there's not a ton of stuff to talk about, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the Pac-12. I don't know. Did I just say Pac-10? I didn't say. No, I think you said Pac-12. Okay. Good God. I'm like going, Joshua. It was Pac-10 when I was in school. Listen, I know about the Pac-10. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually good back then. No, yeah. but anyway, I mean, it's just, it's hard because they're on the West Coast. It's hard to keep up with them. Um, they're all kind of shooting each other in the foot right now um, because they're all just in this middle of the pack, ex- except for, you know, a couple of these schools. And Oregon has now uh, really kind of separated itself in the Pac 12 North with that win over Washington. And I was just interested 
and or surprised with how kind of things went down. We expected it to be kind of a defensive game. It turned into an offensive shootout with Justin Herbert and then, of course, Jacob Eason from Washington taking the spotlight in this game. And both were really good. Just Herbert was better. Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting watching these West Coast games, too, because um, there was a time in the season where you felt like you could throw those games away. And obviously they're hard to watch because they're on a different time zone. But, like, you didn't think that anybody from that conference really had a chance to make it to the playoff or have any games of consequence late into the year. And now you're watching this. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was a, uh, a really strange game, too, because you're really sitting there into the third quarter looking at the fourth before – uh, you thought Oregon was really going to take the game over, which they absolutely did. But now we're sitting here and we're having the conversation that Oregon is a team that has a chance. Yeah. And, you know, they're they're still alive and, and you feel like, you know, go ahead and win, right? And have some teams that you've had some tough battles with win their games as well. And you're looking at an opportunity to be in the big show. Well, I'll say this. You better watch out because Washington State is coming for you, Oregon. And I'm not joking. This is one of those games that can have upset written all over it. So I'm just saying. <laughs> so you had to get your team in there. I, I had, I'm saying though, that's a real legit possibility. Well, um, you guys, if, if you're ever, I guess, going to a special event or as a broadcaster, I know that we we like to look good. And Indochino is a, a great place. Uh, founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure men's wear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. Everything is made to your exact measurements for great fit. The best part is that they're affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing under $400. The process is also simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Uh, your package will be delivered straight to your door in just two weeks. So you can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or like I said, do it online. Your choice. Start up your style upgrade with $30 off your purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That is Indochino.com, promo code BlueWire for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Okay, um, Joshua, there was some SEC madness as well to this weekend, and I was uh, busy covering one of those games. I'll get to that here in a minute, but let's start with Alabama. And I was really, I was kind of just like watching this game, just thinking, you know, anything can happen. And then, of course, Maurer goes out again with another co- concussion. Uh, the Vols quarterback who has been starting sure. for them. And Alabama then loses to a Tungabaloa, and he's having ankle surgery. So, I mean, this game really, if the Vols wouldn't have crapped the bed, Jarrett Garantano fumbled it and they ran it back for a touchdown at the end. I think it could have been really close. Yeah, you just, I mean, you start to have questions this time of year about every team who's not winning convincingly. And Alabama is one of those teams where, until they lose, you're going to give them all the respect that they deserve. But they've probably this year looked more vulnerable than they've looked at all, period. And to me, offensively, they've been really strong. Tua going down changes that completely. Mm-hmm. Um, he's having that same surgery on a different ankle, right? Because he Yikes. had that surgery before, didn't he? Yeah, he did on the I other. Believe that's, uh, yeah. yeah. So that changes things. And I, I don't know how you come back to the same player 
right away after having that surgery. Flip it to the other side of the ball. I think their defense has looked very suspect at times. It's not good. No, it's not. And they've got young guys out there, which I understand completely, and it, it changes the game. You have injuries. I understand that you cannot maintain the same level and the same standard that you're used to, but boy, doesn't it look like you know, for example, going up against an LSU, Joe Burrow could probably yes. pick apart that defense. Yep. You just start to have some legit questions. Yep. No, that's that's the first thing I thought about when they do meet here um, coming up soon. I'm like, oh, my goodness, because if two is not – I mean, two should be back by that game, but I put LSU's offense over Alabama. And when we were talking about, like, sometimes, you know, in these games it might just be a shootout, but I just think LSU would – would tear apart them because their defense is so long young. Like you mentioned, their linebackers position is so weak right now. Mm -hmm. Um, They just had a lot of injuries. And so I just think this Alabama team is extremely vulnerable. I mean, this is a team that always used to pride themselves on defense. And I'm not saying it's not because they're, you know, you know, not good at all. I'm just saying they're young and, you're going to run into that sometimes. But I think we've been so used to Bama always being such a clutch defensive team that this is a little strange. So No doubt. No doubt. Vandy, Joshua, we talked about this for a second, and you said you're really proud to see Derek Mason get this win. For the Commodores, uh, Vandy upset number 22 Missouri this weekend in Nashville. I was at that game. I was covering that game a lot of emotion after that game real quickly, just about the game. They, the Commodore started their third string quarterback, Mo uh, Hassan in this game. And he really did legitimately give this team a spark from the get go. They've been struggling really on both sides of the ball, but they moved the ball. Well, he was, he's one of those like guys that isn't afraid to run a little to, to make plays on the go. He kind of is, He's kind of got like a strong sense to him, and I think it just rubbed off on the team. He went down late in the third with a concussion, but uh, Riley Neal was able to come back and finish business. But the defense was spectacular. Uh, They got a lot of pressure on Kelly Bryant and made him look absolutely miserable. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's interesting. So, you know, I didn't watch that game. And so, uh, you know, don't have a lot of perspective on it. I saw some of the post-game comments from Mm -hmm. uh, the coaches, and I'll kind of let you handle that because I know you got an angle for it. But just talking about now the national conversation where um, Missouri was number 22 team and people were starting to gain confidence in them. You know, if if this was a Big Ten team, for example, number 22 losing to a Purdue, let's throw it out there. You know, Mm -hmm. what is the conversation about the Big Ten become? You know, like... That's Iowa this weekend actually losing to Purdue. How do we contextualize this conversation? So I'm curious to see how the conversation around uh, Missouri and that side of the SEC changes because of this loss. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And and it's always a little bit of an – I think it's an unfair thing sometimes. I I just – I think some of the things like when Wisconsin, obviously this is a, that was an awful loss. I mean, it was the worst this season upset-wise. But if that were to happen – I guess like if the Vols were to beat Alabama, I'm sure it would be a heavy conversation, but I don't think they'd just count out Alabama right away. Oh, yeah. 
I just, that's, that's just kind of how it is. You know, this is just like, it's almost like SEC gets an extra pass or something just because they're the SEC. So no, I get what you're saying with that. Uh, real quick on the post-game comments from head coach Derek Mason, there was a lot of controversy sparked this week in this area about him losing his job after that awful loss to UNLV. Uh, look, Derek Mason is a special coach. It takes a special coach to coach here in Nashville at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt does not have the facilities. They do not put in uh, the things they need to put into this football program because they are an academic school. They're different from any school in the SEC. And, and it's hard to coach here. So after the press conference, Derek Mason was, before he he got up and left, he, he, he wanted to say one thing. And he said, you know, everybody thinks that they might want a job like this. There are few men in the country that are built for this job. And I'm one of those guys. And he just said how much he loved the university, loved, you know, these kids here. And you could really just see the passion as a coach. Some of these coaches, you know, make a lot of money and he, he does make a good amount of money, but you really could see that he wanted to be here and that he's trying his best to get this team um, on track. So that, that was, it was an emotional press conference. Yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback off that because I, I noticed that comment too. And, you know, he, he literally said, you know, a lot of people think they want this job. Mm-hmm. And then he said, but I'm built for this. Yeah. And it, I, you give the man as much credit as you can because it is different, right? You're in Nashville and there are a million different things you could be doing in Nashville other yep. than watching college football. And then you're at a, a school that has high academic standards. So you're not getting everybody in there. Not every recruit can come there. And then just historically, they're not a powerhouse team. It's not a blue blood of college football. So even from that point, it makes it harder to recruit. And like you said, I've been on that campus. I took visits there. Um, I absolutely loved it. I was born in Nashville. I thought I wanted to go there for a hot sec. But I always forget that. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I've, you know, I've got a little context to Vanderbilt. Facilities aren't there. Definitely. It's a cool city. Campus is kind of urban. So some people don't like that. Some people do. To me, like give him all the credit he deserves because if I'm coaching and that job comes open, I don't know how much I really want to take it. There, yeah. there are only a handful of people who want to take that job and really think they can improve it. And and I, I think he said it right. I'm built for it. He absolutely is getting a big win like that. And then the emotion behind it definitely shows it. Yeah, I was excited to be there and see that firsthand for sure. The other game that was this weekend in the SEC that – We've been paying attention to LSU, obviously, because of this offense. And Joe Burrow, again, setting a single-season passing touchdown record with 29 for LSU. He sets records like every week, I feel like. This team it just continues to do what they do on offense. However, I did, I did see that they kind of got off to a slow start in this one. I mean, they picked it up, but at times I'm thinking, it's 3 nothing. Like, what's going on? Yeah, and so I'll, I'll ask you a question. Pick pick a team out of the Big Ten uh, who is on the same level as Mississippi State. Okay, I would say, geez, um, I can't say. I, I was going to say like Minnesota, but Minnesota's been good this year. Um, yes. How about Purdue? Okay, so that's that's really interesting. Um, I might have taken it a half a step higher, but I, I would say sure. And uh, the thing you get with Mississippi State, and this is why when you look at the names and you look at the score, you don't look too hard into it because mm-hmm. every few years they'll have a couple guys that they put in the NFL and they might have a first or second round guy that they do that with every couple of years. There'll be a team that is sitting at, you know, second and third 
in their division of the SEC and they're playing in the big time bowl game. And so you give them a ton of respect. But then when you break down the stats this year, they're like 76th in scoring defense. Like they're not yeah. great. And uh, as explosive as we've seen LSU look this year, you kind of wonder, you know, like, did they did they take maybe a half a step back? Did they take this opponent lightly or whatever the case was? But, you know, they started to blow the game out exactly what they did. They won it comfortably. So nobody's saying, you know, anything like that, but just kind of curious a little bit to me how slowly they kind of came out. Yep. It's, it's definitely not, you know, great on both sides of the ball. It's really good on the offensive side of the ball. But when you do have those question marks at defense that maybe haven't been completely exposed yet, you're just wondering, is it going to happen here soon? Let's get to some good stuff from the gridiron. And first I want to go to this message from quarterback Joe Burrow of LSU. I can honestly say that has never happened before in my life. You don't were, hope it doesn't happen again. You were pulling it up like midway through the as you're on your way oh, to the yeah. ground. I mean, what's going through your mind? Is that? I mean, I felt it coming out. I felt it. <laughs> um, I heard there was supposed to be a full moon tonight here in Starkville, so I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. At least your family was here to console you. Yeah, my grandparents were here for that one. Awesome. <laughs> Okay, Joshua. So uh, first of all, I give it to this kid for handling the situation extremely well. His poor grandparents were in the stadium and had to see the the moon, the the Joe Burrow mooning the country. It went viral in seconds. It was not his fault. The defender pulled down his pants. It was like that copper tone ad. I love that that tweet. Wasn't that great? That was the best tweet of the weekend to me. Why, thank you. I thought of it in a heart. I don't know why I thought of that, but I just, that was the picture that popped in my head when I started seeing, you know, these gifts of him getting his his pants pulled down there on a play. Uh, First of all, have you ever had something like that happen where in the middle of a play, your whole pants are coming off? No, thank Jesus. But I will tell you, this is so disgusting. But um, (laughs) during games on the sideline or otherwise, if I had to pee, I was peeing. So really, yeah, and it ended up looking like sweat, like it wasn't that no big of a kidding. deal. Yeah, but I like I wasn't a, a you know Gatorade bottle type guy, like none of yeah. that. Like, I, was just, I was going. <laughs> it's bad. Does, does that happen with a lot of you guys? Oh, absolutely. It, I don't think I knew that. So common, so common. Wow. But I will say on this, and you're a TV person, so you can you know kind of jive with this one, but. TV production crews are, are some of the the snarkiest, worst people yeah. because they showed the replay and I then know. they showed the alternate angle, which exposed more crack than the first angle. Did. Yes. Like, what are we doing? I don't know what was going on there. I was like, you guys, you can't, you can't do that. They did that in a Vanderbilt baseball game this year. I think it was the Super Regionals and they went in on, I think it was Louisville's pitcher and he like said like some horrible words and they went back and slow-moed it. Sure they did. And I'm like, what are we doing here, folks? This is ESPN or this is, you know, what were they on? CBS. You can't, you can't really do that. Like, I thought it was hilarious, but like, you know, as, as the country is watching and you're showing different angles of his butt, yeah, like what is going on? You got the, 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 the brief crack on the original angle. And then you got like the elongated exposed, like full crack on the second, like you almost saw the bottom of his cheek on the second angle. And then piggybacking off of what you just said too, like the the production crews are the best at getting when the coaches are saying very explicit words. Yeah. I've become so good 
at reading lips when coaches are yelling at players or referees because when they replay it or when they zoom in on the coach, you can like, you know exactly what's coming out of his mouth. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, they do that a lot too in the National Football League. Oh, yeah. I, I, I watch Mike Frabel uh, on the sideline and he <sighs> definitely has lots of words <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> on, a, yeah, on, on every Sunday. <laughs> um, real, he, he does. Uh, real quickly, just touching on that Sooner wagon tipping over at the beginning of the game, you know, there's all these pregame traditions for a lot of these bigger schools. And I had mentioned this a while back in my SEC show that these animals, these live animals are like on the field and, you know, got these horses that you're trying to contain. That could have been deadly. Yeah, it could have been. I think we talked about the uh, the animals on the field and everything, too. We that, did. Yeah, uh, we did. Did you notice how they went and checked on the wagon before they checked on the people that fell out of the wagon? Yes. <laughs> like I tradition. Mean, you know, make sure the, the wagon's fine. Yeah. Make sure the wagon's in one piece. And here's the thing. I don't think – I think people were kind of like – this is hilarious and didn't even think to think this could have been really bad. I mean, it really could have been, you I mean, know, the you saw how could... hard they hit the ground too. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, they're going to be, they're going to be sore. That is for sure. Well, <laughs> Waking I'd, up have, I'd have milked it. Uh, you know, they've been talking to a personal injury. Yeah. Attorney. <laughs> I'd be like, Hey, you know, um, uh, a couple, a couple of thousand dollars, maybe a hundred thousand. <laughs> Um, well, that does it for this episode of Press Pass. Really excited to have you here for episode 50. It, it means a lot. I've, I've started this podcast up about a year ago, and uh, we've been through all sorts of things with it. But here we are at 50, going strong, and I appreciate you uh, being a part of it now, Joshua. It's, it's It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I haven't been here for uh, 50 episodes, but hopefully we can get 50 of our own going and uh, keep this thing going strong into the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real quickly, if you do not subscribe to Press Pass, super simple. Go to iTunes, type in Press Pass, and then click on the subscribe button. You can also just give us that five-star rate and review if you would like. And where can they go to follow you on your social media platforms, Joshua? They can find me at RIP underscore JEP. I was on there this morning talking to some fans about games over the weekend so again i'm a really interactive guy if you want to give me that follow we can have a little chit chat absolutely you can follow me on at kayla anderson tv and we'll have another great episode coming up next week you just never know what is going to happen hopefully we'll have a happy joshua perry after a hopeful uh, ohio state win so we'll just have to see how it all rolls out and maybe i can come back and say see joshua i told you washington state was going to upset oregon I hope your prediction's right. (laughs) All right, guys, have a great weekend and enjoy some great college football.